The man in black fled across the desert. And the gunslinger followed. Hello and welcome to Tower Junkies, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. Tower Junkies is a podcast devoted to the Dark Tower series by Stephen King, in which we discuss the themes, characters, and mythology of the series in Palaver episodes, and review the books and comic series in Kef episodes. We also discuss non-Tower King novels, TV and film adaptations of King's work, and the latest news about potential Dark Tower-related adaptations and merchandise, and really anything about... Stephen King and the Dark Tower that we can uh, sit here and talk for an hour or so about at any given time. Um, I am your host and, dare I say, din of the podcast, Tony? Because I said it last week. You're definitely my dine. Din. Okay. Din. din. I always <laughs> want to say dine. I know. <laughs> um, am I out now? Am I out of the... Am I you, out of the no, uh, you have not. You have not. You are not the... Uh, Oh man, what is the word for that? Hang on. I haven't forgotten the face of my father. You haven't. You're not the ka, com or kames, I think, or kame. Uh, you're not a kami. Um, <laughs> no, you're not a kame, which is a cause fool or destiny's fool. Um, okay. anyway. Anyway, um, yeah, for all intents and purposes, I am the din of the podcast. My name is Matt Hurt. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Obsessive Viewer, and you can follow this podcast on Twitter. We actually have a separate Twitter account for this. Nice. Yeah, at Tower Junkies Pod, and Tiny, my comate uh, on this, is Tiny. Go ahead and say hi. Hello, everyone. <laughs> I am Tiny, also known as Anthony, uh, and I, my Twitter handle is uh, at Obsessive Tiny. Yay! I get on there occasionally. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is the first, like, official episode of this podcast that I, I feel like I kind of just threw this, uh, threw this at you, mm-hmm. like, uh, pretty last minute, pretty out of nowhere. Um, and I, Cry my pardon on that. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I was expecting yeah. it. Yeah. I've been, we've been talking about the Dark Tower forever and it's, it's the same thing we did with our other podcast, The Obsessive Viewer. Right. We talked about movies all the time and so we we're like, we need to start recording this. Mm-hmm. And so here we are talking about the Dark Tower all the time. So I knew, I knew we needed to start recording it. Uh, mm-hmm. it was the Will of Gan. So right. I knew it was going to happen. I, I'm glad that you feel that way because, and like I made the joke to you the other day that, um, it was like the day after I launched that first introductory episode, I sent you a message saying like, Oh, Hey, we officially have this podcast, whether you like it or not. <laughs> and, um, uh, and then I said like, Oh, and I had a dream last night about lost. So we're going to start a lost podcast too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, or I said, I'm going to, I'm going to start a lost podcast without, without, uh, adequately consulting with you about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so anyway, I was only half joking on that. Yeah, but, I told my fiance about it and she rolled her eyes, but it was only once. Nice. So That's we're, good. we're okay. That's, yeah. When you say only one, you mean both eyes once, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Cause that would have been weird. <laughs> um, but anyway. Um, that's, so that's good. You're not mad at me. That's good. Yes. Um, yeah. So for some background, like the, the episode that I kind of threw together for the introductory episode was um, me just talking about the different types of episodes we're going to have, which you can find a breakdown of on towerjunkies.com. Um, and, and you'll have, you'll have a, a whole look at how we have it broken down and everything. But last 
the last episode I posted was basically me introducing the podcast and then um, the 90 minute discussion that you and I had prior to seeing the movie mm-hmm. um, where we talked about our history with the books and, and our excitement for the movie and just our general giddiness about it. And I think that that's a good introduction to our dynamic and our, uh, our shared um, history with the dark tower series. So we don't really need to rehash it, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, in kind of brief terms, like just uh, go ahead and like, uh, let us know, I guess, rehash it. <laughs> yeah. In brief terms, just like very brief, uh, talk about your history with the books. Absolutely. I, uh, I avoided, I avoided the series for a long time. I first mm-hmm. became a Stephen King fan when I was in junior high, mm-hmm. um, starting with some of his earlier work, um, and read all his books. I started hearing, or I read a ton of his books. I uh, can't imagine anyone reading all of them. Um, nice. but, uh, I started, I remember stumbling across the gunslinger and the dark tower series mm-hmm. as a teenager. And then I found out there were so many books and I was just like, I'm not even going to try to tackle that. Mm-hmm. I did the same thing with it cause it was so long. Right. I just avoided it. Um, and so I finally read, uh, we just kind of, I don't even know how we stumbled onto it or just we kind of both of us around the same time decided to start mm-hmm. reading it. Oh, I know exactly uh, what it was, but I'll yeah, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, seven or eight years ago. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I just, from there I was just like, this is great. I'm hooked mm-hmm. and I'm in, um, read all the books. I haven't read, I haven't read one through the keyhole yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I've read most of the comics. I'm not up to date on them, but, uh, I just, um, it is just such an incredible universe to throw yourself into. Um, it is, yeah. it is Stephen King's Leviathan. It, mm-hmm. it, it stretches out across all his work or it seemingly does. Yeah. And so it's, I feel like Stephen King fans need to find their way to this series because it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it is like the linchpin of his work, if you will. Absolutely. And we will definitely get into discussing that with the topic of this episode and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, my history with it that I mentioned last in the last episode is that basically um I've I was more of a casual fan of Stephen King um throughout high school and and in in my early 20s. Um it wasn't until I really fell in love with the show Lost that I became more attached to like Stephen King and everything, not that he had anything to do with Lost. It was just very much um a Stephen King type of show. And so I went ahead and read a bunch of Stephen King. I read um, several of his books. And then the thing that got us, or at least got me more interested in The Dark Tower, was knowing that Lost was heavily inspired by Stephen King and that the that the creators of Lost were fans of The Dark Tower. That's right. Yep. Just because of Man in so, Black and Lost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So... Um, and so when Lost was ending back in May of 2010, um, I think because at the time for background for background for us, uh, Tiny and I have been friends since junior high, and we for how long was it five six seven years? We worked together at least. Yeah, we worked uh, third shift uh, secure as security guards um, for like seven years. Um, which is funny because there are a couple other Dark Tower podcasts I listen to, like Dark Tower Palaver and Dark Tower Radio, mm-hmm. that like, bo- oddly enough, both of those shows have hosts that 
they, they they worked third shift together and talked about the dark tower all the time like it's it's really wow. weird yeah i was like that's that's really bizarre but that's awesome uh both really good shows by the way but anyway nice. um so we would basically spend an entire night working as security guards with tons of downtime just talking about the stuff we were reading and talking about like shows we were watching and like like just having general discussions and everything and we started talking a lot more about like Stephen King and, and everything. And then like when Lost was ending, I think one of us was like, well, we should probably give the dark tower a try. Mm-hmm. Um, because ne- neither of us have read it. And then I started it in June, <laughs> June, June of 2010 and then finished it July of 2011. Um, because I kind of I kind of took my time with that. And I think you took around the same amount of time. That's yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, I think you actually finished it a few, uh, two or three months before I did. I think. Okay. Because I I distinctly remember, and I was super kind of jealous because, uh, you posted this very eloquent eloquent, um, Facebook post. Like like I remember reading it and thinking like, holy shit, yeah, this is this is this is the same. Like I feel the same way. <laughs> but like you had said something like uh it was after you'd finished it and you said basically you had this this long wall of text where it was basically saying that like uh, St- uh Roland Deschain is the most tragic and complex character that Stephen King's ever written and it's just it's such an amazing work and everything and and like I read that not knowing the context of the ending at the time. And then when I when I read when I finished reading The Dark Tower, I was like, oh my God, this is like a masterpiece. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's freaking brilliant. Um, and yeah, and I felt the exact same way that it was just Roland Deschain is such a, a character of such complexity and such nuance that it's just amazing. Um, so that was kind of how we started with the Dark Tower and how that became such a big part of our lives is we were just kind of bullshitting at work and then started reading it and we would, we would discuss it each night at work. Um, Mm -hmm. and we would talk about it for hours and hours and hours. And like you said, that is a kind of a natural gravitation for us to do a dark tower podcast. Um, which is funny because over the last year, year and a half, pretty much every episode of the obsessive viewer, which is a weekly movie and TV podcast that we host over at obsessiveviewer.com, Um, in the lead up to the movie coming out, we have been talking about that nonstop. And so this is a nice kind of way to let us talk more about the dark tower outside of, of our more broad movie and TV podcast. Yeah. Um, when I think about it a little bit deeper, um, we kind of, for, for me personally, I kind of need, I think I kind of need this because mm-hmm. there is no other, there's no other work. There's no other artist who has carved out at a little corner of my brain of my thoughts like Stephen King has with the dark tower. Yes. Like it occupies, I I used, I used to say that I thought about the dark tower every day. Mm -hmm. Like every day I would think something is, it would occupy my thoughts for maybe a very insignificant percentage of the day, but I'd still think about it almost every day. And maybe mm-hmm. in the past couple of years, three, two, three years, maybe not as much. Right. But there's, there's, there's almost, there's nothing else art wise mm-hmm. that occupies my thoughts and my energy and my time like mm-hmm. the Dark Tower does and Stephen King in general. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's there. Like that's mm-hmm. Star Wars is maybe kind of close, mm-hmm. but still doesn't 
I don't think about Star Wars every day. I never, I never right. did. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it is just, it is, it is pervasive. It's, mm-hmm. it's like a, it's like an earworm that worked its way into my brain, or like a book, <laughs> exactly. a bookworm that went through my ear and <laughs> found its way and has nested in my brain. Nice. That's, it is. It's just, it's ubiquitous or it's pervasive for me. It's, mm-hmm. it's part of my thoughts on a regular basis. So. I'm right there with you. Yeah. Like, so like we had to do this. Yeah, much. we did. We yeah. did. And it's funny because like, like obviously, you know, me, um, when I am into something media wise, when I am into a show, a movie franchise, if I'm into a book series or whatever, I am into it. You run with it. Yeah. I, yeah. Like it occupies my brain all, all the time. And with the dark tower, that was something that I think part of the reason why, I fell so far in love with it was because, and it's something I didn't really, I didn't really put together in my brain until, until this reread, which is interesting because we've, we went like a six, seven year span of not reading the books. Yeah. And then the lead up to the movie, we, we reread them. And the whole time I was thinking like, why did I wait this long? I know. And, and it also doesn't feel that long because it, it was such a, strong figment in my mind that it's, it was with me the entire time. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, one of the reasons why I think it stuck with me so clearly is that it is, I mean, it is many things there. It is, it is a huge amalgam of not only different genres and different types of stories and everything. Um, like there's a great segment in wolves of the Kala where, um, it's a little fuzzy to me, but I think Eddie is talking to, to Roland about how, um, about the different types of stories that, that on, that we have on earth, like the different types, like, Oh, some, some like cops and robbers and, and, uh, cowboys and stuff like that. And then, um, the way that King describes it is it's like a, um, uh, I don't know what it, what it is, but it's like, I, I, Roland says something like, do you, why don't they, why don't you ever like, it's compared to like food. And he's like, why don't you ever mix the, ingredients and stuff (laughs) it's it's i'm butchering it but we'll get to that eventually but anyway what i love about it is that it's an amalgam of all that but it's also at its heart it's this this um exploration of of king's creativity and the way that he um it's the most ingrained in in honest kind of look at like an addictive character mm-hmm. and like Roland Deshane is this, this he's an addict. He's a tower junkie. Um, <laughs> and it's just, it's such, it brings such nuance to him. And then like that characterization is just great. Cause it's not like, it's not like the prototypical hero character. It's this character who is willing to um, sacrifice other characters for his goal but it's not in a in a malicious or or villainous way. It's just like he he's got a job to do, and that's just what he's gonna do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's a really great way to to bring about a character through through such a long saga. And I'm one of those people that actually really liked the inclusion of Stephen King, um, like the different references to different things in the Stephen King multiverse and actually referencing Stephen King in the series. Cause it feels like it was, he, he was dealing with his creativity and injecting his in, uh, creativity into, into it in kind of a, kind of a unique way. And we'll, we'll talk more about that later, but, um, but yeah, I just, I love that it's, 
it's not like a straight fantasy series. It's not like a straight science fiction series. It's all of these different things put together and thrown in a blender and goes into some really weird places. Yes. And yeah, so I think part of the reason why I just fell so deeply in love with it is that it gives me so much more to think about and affects so many different parts of my my personality and brain that I'm I'm just in it. Um right. I'm much deeper in it than anything else. Yeah. Um yeah, so what else do you want to talk about? <laughs> we so this this is what's called the palaver episode, which is just a general episode discussion about the series and these episodes are designed to have like a set topic for it. Um uh, a topic relating to the Dark Tower series. So we'll have other episodes that dive into um the actual the actual series and and dive into um adaptations and and non-tower Stephen King properties stuff like that. But for this episode, this is a palaver episode. We're just talking about the series as a whole and we have a topic this week. Do you want to reveal what the topic is? Do you remember how I phrased it? I do. I think I think <laughs> okay. I do. Yeah. Um basically as a Dark Tower fan, you're so enthusiastic about it, and some, mm-hmm. and you'll talk to someone about it, and they will inev- inevitably ask you, well, what's it about? Right. That's the most common way that that phrase mm-hmm. is presented to you. And most of us, uh, us being Dark Tower fans, mm-hmm. are like, oh, man, where to start? Right. Because um, it's such such a, like you said, it, it, it defies genre, mm-hmm. and it's 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 character driven and it's also story driven and there's just so much involved that it's hard to it's hard to condense a pitch mm-hmm. for this series into a few sentences or a casual conversation. Right. It's very difficult to do. And so with this episode we were going to try to essentially go through how we pitch the series mm-hmm. to a prospective reader. Right. Yeah. And uh there are a couple there are a couple different levels to this um how we would pitch it to just someone who's interested in reading it and interested in experiencing it. And uh also if we want we can also talk about like pitching it to the the casual reader who just thinks that Stephen King is only about horror. And then also <clears throat> I was going to say pitch it to someone who just saw the movie and wants to know what it's all about. Right. Um which and I understand, I, I realize that we're releasing these episodes, like these, this podcast is launching in the shadow of the movie being released. And we had two episodes on the obsessive viewer, just talking, talking out our feelings about this, about the movie. Um, so it's all documented there. What I might do is take those two episodes and cut them together and, and rearrange them a little bit and just release them as a big tower junkies episode. Okay. Um, we'll, we'll see, but, um, Suffice it to say, we weren't fans of the movie. We didn't like it. Um, we'll talk more about it in later episodes and everything, and probably do like a commentary track episode if you want to do one. Okay, yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, so so tiny, and <laughs> the idea for this episode or the idea for this topic rem- reminds me of basically indie popcorn. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple months ago. About a month and a half ago, we went to Indie Popcon here in Indianapolis. Um, by the way, we're both in Indianapolis. <laughs> yeah. We didn't mention that. Um, here in Indianapolis, we went to Indie Popcon for Obsessive Viewer and, and kind of hawked our podcast and everything. Um, and there were a lot of people there that, you know, we were just 
uh, talking to and like we were both like, really excited for the movie coming out so like there was a lot of times where I found myself talking to people about the Dark Tower and explaining to them like oh I'm excited for the movie because of these elements of it uh, that are in the trailer and, and why I like explaining like why I love this series I felt really uh, I thought it was really funny um, because I uh, went to the Hypable table with the girls from Hypable.com and like we were talking about they had just seen Spider-Man Homecoming and I told them that I was excited for the Dark Tower and then they said that they had just seen the trailer and so like I just went into a whole like I bent their ear for like probably 20, 20 to 25 minutes just just word vomiting all of my feelings about the Dark Tower series to them. <laughs> um, so this episode is kind of a uh, uh, inspired by that. Uh, we're going to talk about how we pitch it to people who who aren't familiar with it and how do you like so so yeah. tiny? What is your like go to thing? Because like you see the gunslinger and you think, oh, it's it's a western. It's a fantasy western. Yeah. How do you pitch it to people? I the I figured out that the first thing I needed to do was ask the person if they are familiar with Stephen King's work mm-hmm. or if they're fans of Stephen King. Mm-hmm. Um because I I think I think Stephen King attracts a certain type of reader mm-hmm. or a certain type of consumer of stories. Mm-hmm. Um and 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 I think, you know, he's so popular He's such a ubiquitous author. He's mm-hmm. everyone knows who Stephen King is, right? Um, and everyone's at least quasi familiar with his work. Mm-hmm. That you have different levels of Stephen King fans. You know, there's people like, right. well, you know, I've seen The Shining, but I've never read any of his books. Or you know, it's like, oh, I thought Carrie was a great movie. Mm-hmm. Very casual fans, and you have people who are like, man, I've read most of his books. And I've seen all the movies and stuff like that. It's 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 just such a mixed bag. So I think you have to find out what kind of Stephen King familiarity you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's the first place I always start out with. Um, and I think there's kind of three levels to the pitch. If you when once you find out what kind of fan they are, you can branch off from there. You can say, oh, you know how if they're if they're like, oh, I'm really familiar. I've I've read a lot of his books and I've seen a lot of the movies and stuff. And I, mm-hmm. I like his stuff. I'm always interested in what he comes out with, you know, a pretty pretty familiar fan. You can say, okay, well, you know how Stephen King always has really great characters and how he um, always puts them in extraordinary situations? Mm-hmm. This is his best character. <laughs> this is his, his ultimate situation. Mm-hmm. And you can go from there. But if you had someone yeah. who... I think if you have someone who has no familiarity with Stephen King whatsoever... You kind of have to pitch Stephen King as an author, mm-hmm. um, and I I really love to pitch Stephen King as an author because I I think most people who just enjoy stories can enjoy Stephen King's writing mm-hmm. um, because, like you said, he kind of gets he kind of gets mislabeled, I would say, as a horror writer. Absolutely. Because his most, a lot of his most famous stuff is very scary. Mm-hmm. You know, The Shining and Carrie, mm-hmm. those are probably two of his most famous works. And those are scary. The Shining is fucking terrifying. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and so I, but he has so much work that's not necessarily horror. Mm-hmm. And the way I like to describe his stories are that they're extraordinary. Mm-hmm. They take place in extraordinary situations. Um, cause it's, 
sometimes it's just extreme, extreme like action or extreme situations. It's not necessarily that, you know, oh, this ghost is haunting me or, uh, you know, this monster is trying to kill me. Um, sometimes it's just, you're stuck in a, in a cabin with a crazy lady mm-hmm. who is a super fan of yours and right. wants to keep you there, which is scary in, in and of itself, but mm. it's not a monster jumping out of another dimension scary. Or, right. You know what I mean? It's not a ghost or a vampire. Yeah. Um, it's not supernatural. It's not, right. Yeah. Right. So I, I feel like he's, and you know, he does, he does stories like Under the Dome, which is mm-hmm. not horror at all. Yeah. Um, uh, and any number of stories, uh, the Tommyknockers is kind of like sci-fi, essentially. It's mm-hmm. not even, I mean, it's, it, there are scary situations in it, but it's kind of just sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one, I've, I haven't read Tommyknockers yet, but that's like his kind of, from my understanding of it, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's kind of like a love letter to like, um, Invasion of Body, Body Snatchers. Okay. Is that? I haven't read it. Oh, okay. But nice. I, I saw, I saw most of the, like there was a mini series, I think, with oh, Jimmy yeah. Smith's. Really? Yeah, that I think was kind of awful. I don't. I don't think it was a movie. I think it was a miniseries. Okay, that um, sounds about right. But I saw most of it anyway. Anyways, yeah. so I think I think it's kind of fun to in in and of itself just to pitch Stephen King to people because mm-hmm. the the way I like to say it is he will take the most ordinary man you can think of, like like Stu Redman mm-hmm. in The Stand or yeah. uh, the main character in. Um, uh, eleven twenty two sixty three. Just mm-hmm. an English teacher in Maine. Yeah, you know, or eleven twenty two. I mean, that's basically a love story, right? Thriller, time travel story. There's nothing scary about that book. Yeah, it's just awesome. It's advent. It's an adventure. Oh yeah, it's an adventure book. Oh yeah. Um, you can list thirty characters. They're just a regular dude mm-hmm. that you see getting his coffee every morning at the gas station. Yeah, but he will throw that person into an incredible situation mm-hmm. there's a vampire haunting this guy's town or he finds a portal for time travel mm-hmm. or he turns out to be the leader of an entire group of people after the after the apocalypse mm-hmm. i mean there's just in that that takes such a relatable situation or such a relatable character and launches them into an incredible story and makes them a really interesting person. Mm-hmm. He pulls the story out of his characters. That's that's the coolest thing I think about Stephen King's writing. Um this is turning into a pitch for Stephen King. Right. Um <laughs> so I think I think you 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 pitch Stephen King and then from there you 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 build up Stephen King or if someone already knows about Stephen King you say this is his magnum opus. Mm-hmm. This is the linchpin of arguably everything he's ever written. Mm -hmm. I think if he had the time and the energy (laughs) and if he lived to be 200 years old, he would link every single one of his stories to the Dark Tower. Yeah. I think in some way they are all inspired by the Tower. Mm -hmm. So, you know, literally, that is the the, uh, idea behind this series is that the Tower is the axle that all the spokes of the wheel of the universe connect to. Nice. And I like so, that. Yeah, that's, that is, it is the nexus of all universes. And mm-hmm. so, and then from there you can say, you know, you can just kind of start it there and then you can say, plus this story has the best character he's ever created. Mm-hmm. It has plenty of other ancillary supporting characters that mm-hmm. are super fascinating and that you will mm-hmm. fall in love with. It is 10 genres in one. 
Mm-hmm. It jumps between different universes, different time spans. There's monsters. There's robots. There's lightsabers. <laughs> um, it's a Western. Mm-hmm. Like paradoxes. Yes. Uh, it has, demons. It has magic. It has wizards. <laughs> I mean, it has it. It has pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. There's a love story. There's a very good love story. Yeah. yeah. There's sex. Good God. Uh-huh. There's drugs. <laughs> I mean, there's there's literally everything in this series. Air travel. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, uh, everything. There's just everything you could ever want. Mm-hmm. You will find it somewhere in this series. It's it's the it's the perfect desert island. Yes. Book series. Yes. I mean, it it's because it's it's everything. It is. Um, so and that's yeah. that's kind of my pitch. <laughs> sure. And uh, and Tommy Knockers was a miniseries in '97, I think, with Jimmy okay. Smith and Mark Hellenberger from CSI. Okay. Um. And yeah, it is basically like the plot description on on that is a buried UFO slowly turns local inhabitants into gizmo building alien mutants. Okay. It was from '93. That's, that's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. So, um. Anyway, I've always meant to read it because aliens scare yeah, me. Right. So. Yeah. Yep. It's on my list. I mean, yeah. obviously, every Stephen King book is on my list. Right. Um, so how yeah. does your pitch go? Okay. So the way that I kind of view it is, and that's a good way, that's a good way to kind of gauge their interest in it and kind of see, like, your idea is to kind of see how, how crazy they already are. Yes. And then push them over the edge a little bit. Yes. I, I like that approach. Um, I'm a little bit more crazy and out there anyway. So like, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm kind of, <laughs> I'm kind of like an obnoxious parent who thinks that their kid or uh, like pet or what have you is like the best ever. <laughs> um, so I'm just like, Oh, you have to read the dark tower. Yeah. Um, kind of my pitch for it is, um, is that it is a, kind of a lot of what I've already said. It's an amalgam of several different genres. Um, so I don't like usually try to ease them into it, but a lot of times I'll like, if I'm, if I'm carrying around one of the books, um, someone like this actually happened actually quite a bit when we were working security and I was reading it for the first time. Um, people would like come by my desk and be like, um, like, Oh, what are you reading? I'm like, Oh, Stephen King. And they're like, Oh, scary. And I'm like, a teenager falling in love in a western yeah. <laughs> and like an old west setting kind of thing <laughs> um sure um so that's kind of the misconception that a lot of people have is that stephen king is strictly a horror writer mm-hmm. and the way that you described it is that like yes he takes characters and puts them into like he he creates these ordinary people and puts them into extraordinary situations and that's what i absolutely adore about his work mm-hmm. um and to kind of put that a step farther, um, one of the great things that he does um, in all of his writing, and I'm, I'm seeing a lot more of it, like especially now that I've been reading it, um, a thing that he does so perfectly and wonderfully is that he takes characters that are not only like ordinary characters, but a lot of times they're like flawed characters. Like yeah. it has – Bill Denbro has a stutter uh Eddie Kasprak has has asthma mm-hmm. um uh uh like the list goes on and on they're flawed characters Jack and Torrance is an alcoholic Jack Torrance is an alcoholic um like there there are tons of characters that have these flaws that that he doesn't use that as like oh 
he doesn't use that to propel plot. He uses that to really, really uh, flesh out the characters and and use them organically within the plot. Like use their flaws in in the plot. Like Jack Torrance, like you said, is an alcoholic and he becomes susceptible. Wow, more susceptible to uh to the the evil charms of the of the hotel. Mm-hmm. Carrie is an incredibly damaged teenager who's right. a victim of her mom's. Um, zealotry i guess you would say yeah um who also happens to be telekinetic right um but with the dark tower it's it's one of the amazing things about it if you were to sit down and tell someone like about the cotet at the center of the dark tower and just say like yeah okay there's a legless woman from the civil rights era that has like a split personality thing going on mm-hmm. a recovering heroin junkie um and a 12-year-old boy and this little raccoon that's kind of like a dog that that <laughs> can repeat words to people like a parrot like a parrot and <laughs> and then there's also this uh this old gunslinger guy who um who has like no sense of humor and uh has one goal in his mind to go to the tower. <laughs> like it's such a like his the way that he writes characters and the way that he groups characters together, it's such a ragtag thing. Mm-hmm. And like the Dark Tower allows him to go a little bit more absurd with that. And it's and it's done in such a way, in such a setting that it makes you just really fall in love with the characters and the content and really go along with their story in such a like like really, really uh gripping way. Another example is is um also the stand. Um oh man. Oh God. Um oh what was what was oh, I Nick Andros. Nick Andros, yep. Uh, he was he was mute, right? He's he mute. wasn't just deaf, yeah. And he links up with a mentally handicapped guy. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, this is terrible. But together, they kind of make one person. They do, yeah. They, they kind of they're a team, but it's <laughs> yeah. like you know, yeah, it's yeah. God, the stand is so good. That's a fantastic one. Oh man. Um, but yeah, so I basically say that okay, you have this guy who he is one of the most prolific art, prolific, prolific authors of our time his name is ubiquitous with horror um he has he has things that like you you know his work from either books movies television comic books like he is he has done for the few people that are rock bottom remainders fans he was also in a band um (laughs) are you aware of that did you know no no idea he and a bunch of other writers like formed a band I mean, I I haven't listened. It's not my thing. Yeah, but like it's it's called the Rock Bottom Remainders, and it's wow. I mean, more power to him. Yeah, but um, anyway, like he is ubiquitous with 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 the horror genre, and like people know his name. Um, so when I say that, like if you my in with that, if I'm going to, I'm kind of going all over the place, but my in with that is if if they know they know the name Stephen King. What do they know about them? About him? Well, he's a horror writer. Okay. Well, if you want something unexpected, here's this fantasy series that it, that has like a lot of different elements. There is some horror elements to it, but for the most part, it's 
science fiction, fantasy, horror, adventure, and um, just really fascinating character development and world building and stuff. Like, and usually, you know, if you if you pitch them that, I mean, that could pique their interest enough to to for them to check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the kind of the big sell is saying like, okay, and it also interacts, it also interconnects with several of his other books and it is the linchpin of his entire universe and everything. And, uh, he has all of these different elements from other, from other books that come into play into the, into the books. And it just opens up his entire, his entire bibliography. I mean, that can kind of scare them away a little bit, Yeah, but if you're in it, it's like an incredibly rewarding experience. Um, yeah. Did I answer the question how I would pitch it? I think I you did. I feel yeah. like I just rambled a little bit. In my brain I'm just going over the stand now and how much I want to read the stand again. <laughs> um Yeah, and and we will talk in future episodes about different elements of the of the book series. These palaver episodes will be mostly spoiler filled. We will warn you when we spoil it. Um we will have specific episodes about spoilers that happen in the in the book series, so um, we will definitely definitely uh, let you know ahead of time when we spoil it. Um, yeah. So, how do you respond to people that say like, "Oh, well, he's just a horror writer"? Um, I, I would say that I would say that he's um, he's not just a horror writer. I would say he's some of his most famous works are rooted in horror. Mm-hmm. And I would say that's the genre that he draws from the most. Mm-hmm. I would say that that is true, but he has so many other works that are not uh, not horror. Like, right, like I mean, you were saying before. Right. I didn't mean to make you... Like, no, no, you're fine. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, and even I think the, the properties that he's... that are horror aren't aren't meant to scare you necessarily. Right. Um, I know that like, for example, um, Salem's lot, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's about a vampire and like an old school, scary vampire, not like yeah. a, a shiny Robert Pattinson vampire, yeah. like a Nosferatu thing. Nosferatu type thing. Yeah. yeah he's a, it's, it's a monster. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, that's without question horror, but the, my favorite parts of the book are not the horror. It's mm-hmm. not, it's, that wasn't particularly scary to me. It's, it was more, interesting to to uncover the mystery yes and to the 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 building uh, the world building of the town of sale of jerusalem's lot mm-hmm. um which is the center the focal town of the story um just just the, the 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 imagery that king builds in that novel with the kind of the small town life and you have mm-hmm. these uh, archetypical characters of a small town Yes. That are so relatable, and you just—he just builds these pictures in your mind so well. You know, the old man that sits on his porch from from sun up to sundown, mm-hmm. cleaning his fingernails with his pocket knife, and talking right. about the old days. Mm-hmm. You have you have an instant picture in your mind of what that is, and it's written with such wonderful detail and minutia that that picture gets color and it has sound and it's just it's 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 more than just a picture in your mind it becomes it becomes a story and it becomes mm-hmm. a character in your mind it just fills so many different criteria um and 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 that that goes beyond genre to me that makes it more than just horror mm-hmm. for me um there's a I, I don't mean to just harp on Salem's lot but there there's there's a, a part of that book 
I want to say it's about 30, maybe 20 to 40 pages where he's essentially going through a timeline of a certain day. Yes. And there's no horror in that timeline whatsoever. Right. It's just different townspeople in this town during a specific event. Mm -hmm. And it's just so brilliant how that plays out. It's like you're, it's like you're experiencing the news or something, yeah. except you're seeing it firsthand. It's not someone re recounting it to you. It's, mm -hmm. it's just a brilliant, it's just a brilliant stroke of storytelling. Mm -hmm. And, and like I said, I think, I think that that transcends genre. He does that. That's not something that's unique to horror. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, he's not trying to scare you right. when you're reading that. And so I, I, I think associating Stephen King with, horror or just trying to scare people is does a disservice to his his value and his talent as a writer um 11 63 it's about time travel there's nothing scary about that right um isn't rose matter that one's not scary isn't isn't that uh, i don't know i haven't read that one. i haven't read that one either yeah. i want to say that one's not but to kind of leapfrog off of that yeah um one of the great, like the big selling point I would say for the dark tower is that like you described the, the world building that Stephen King does, like you get a sense, like you're, when you're reading Salem's lot, you're in Jerusalem's lot. Yeah. When you are reading the shining, you're in the overlook hotel right? and the stand you're in, you're traveling the country, like, like seeing and smelling the bodies of just dead people that are just victims of Captain Trips. Mm -hmm. And, um, I had another example, but I can't remember what it was. Um, oh, uh, like, like under the dome, you get a sense of Chester's Mill. Like what he does so wonderfully is he has such a knack for creating this environment around the story. So, um, so like, like, in the shining uh in particular like there's a whole there's whole sections where jack is becoming more um intrigued by the hotel and he's going through old old newspaper clippings and stuff and he's learning about the history of the hotel and we as the as the reader are learning about the sinister side of the hotel and what and like all the evil that's happened there and everything on the flip side you get you get uh in it like <laughs> I mean, there are interludes throughout it where it's one of the characters just telling backstory about the the um, city of Derry, Maine, and like I have uh, maybe a couple hundred pages left of the book, uh, and about five hours left of the audiobook, and like I'm I Derry, Maine is a place like that's, yeah. that's an actual place to me. And he is so gifted at creating this world in each story. Um, and like, that's one of the reasons why I really liked Under the Dome is because that's like, that's like him taking that small town thing and just making this monster of a, of a, of a book about them like trapped in, in there and like the political structure and everything. It's, it's a freaking phenomenal book. I'm, mm -hmm. I really need to read it again soon. Yeah. Um, but he kind of creates like ecosystems. He does more than like a world or, Oh like, yeah. It's kind of world building is kind of a standard, a standard, uh, term. It's, mm -hmm. it's, he like creates an ecosystem. Think of like a, you know, like the, the rainforest. Yeah. Kind of like yeah, Exactly. All these different levels. And, and as hacky and cheesy and cliche as it sounds, the setting is like it's as another character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, um, to kind of, to kind of expand on that, like think of how well he does that in his stories 
and then imagine him creating this entire other universe that's this this fantasy landscape that has these like like you said robots lightsabers they have a bunch of a bunch of stuff um thrown in and just the level of care he does to, he brings to the detail of that is just is just amazing and it's midworld is a really fascinating environment to to play in when you're when you're reading it mm-hmm. um and to kind of start winding down a little bit and kind of also branch off from this topic here a little bit one of the uh we, you have you ha- you haven't had a conversation with Mike about Stephen King, have you recently? No. Mike at all? Really? No. Okay, so, so for our listeners, Mike is, uh, our friend who was a regular co-host on the Obsessive Viewer, and then now he just kind of pops in every now and then. But I went down and visited him, um, this was, <laughs> this was like two or three months ago, and in my head, I, I remembered when it was because I was remembering what book I was reading. Nice. Uh, from the Dark Tower. So, like, I listened to Song of Susanna <laughs> on the way there and back because he lives a few hours away. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, um, I was like, I was deep in my reread of the Dark Tower. So, I was basically uh, nerding out with him about it. He revealed to me that he's not a big Stephen King fan. Mm-hmm. And it's not that he doesn't like Stephen King. And it's not that he doesn't respect Stephen King. He has a ton of respect for Stephen King and, and what he does. He just can't. He can't get past um, the kind of monotony of his writing. Like, okay, I totally understand yeah. that. Oh yeah, totally like, get it. Oh, absolutely. And like, and it's such an interesting conversation to have with him. And maybe someday we'll have him on here to talk about his feelings on Stephen King. But um, it's fascinating because, like, the things that he can't connect with or doesn't want to, con- or isn't that doesn't that doesn't. Um, the things that don't work with him are exactly what works with me. Okay. And like, it's just, it's fascinating to talk to him about it because like, he's like, oh yeah, it's going through pages and pages and pages of just, just monotonous stuff. That's not, and I'm like, I like that because that is them, him fleshing out the characters and stuff. And it's like, yeah, I get that, but I, it's just not for me. And so like when I was reading book seven, uh, there's a whole, like there, I, I basically was listening to the audio book and I basically had come home from work, uh, got like made dinner, ate my dinner and then cleaned up, like cleaned the dishes and everything and put everything away and all that. And then I realized like during that entire time in book seven, um, that entire time that it took me to do that in, in the audiobook, um, King was writing about, um, uh, Pimley Prentice. In, in the Devar toy. Okay. Um, in Al Golciento. Yeah. Like basically going through his day. Uh-huh. And like that's as much, like that's as much as, like it was that amount of time. Like I right. made myself dinner and ate it and then cleaned up and like he was still talking about yeah. his day. <laughs> and I was just like, I was kind of fascinated by that. And so I sent him a message saying like, oh, hey, I basically said that. And, uh, and while, like, that character does play a pivotal role in the book, like, that's the introduction of his character. Yeah. In the seventh book of a seven book series. Right. It's just, it's really fascinating. But if you're into that type of level of, of detail to, to characterization, it's something that will work really well for you. Yeah. And I, I have that same notion. Um, Pimley Prentice 
rambling. Is he the one who gave them, gives them a recording of a tape that they listen to as well? No, no, that's uh, that's Ted Brownigan. Ted Brownigan, yeah. yeah. Pimley Prentice is the head of the uh, Al Golcianto. Right, okay. Yeah. Gosh, see, I'm a big fan of this series, and I can't keep everything straight. Right. Still. I mean, that's... <laughs> Anyways, um... There are there were times during the seventh book while I was listening and I was like, can we just get to the damn roses, please? Yeah. <laughs> Cross the field of roses and fight the freaking guy. Come on. Yeah. It drives me nuts. And like I, I totally get that. But then I'm sitting there listening to Ted Brodigan tell his mm. story and he's getting weaker and weaker. And yeah. I'm like, man, this is actually really interesting. Like it, yeah. you you think it's it's a sidetrack and you mm. It bothers you for the first couple paragraphs, the first even couple pages. But once you get past that, you're like, okay, now I care. Mm-hmm. Now I want to know. And like, that's how I react to it. Yeah. But I can, I can completely understand why Mike and or mm-hmm. other readers would be like, no, you're slowing this down. We need, we need right. to not cut to the chase. Yeah. Just get back on track. Sure. And so I can, I, can, I completely mm-hmm. empathize with that. I, right. I completely get that. But I find myself, more often than not enjoying those sidetracks or enjoying that extra bit of development or depth. Mm-hmm. Um, I find myself enjoying that and getting involved in it and investing in that. Yeah. Um, but that's just how I react, you mm-hmm. know, I, so I, I get it. Yeah. And I think that's part of the reason why it's such a struggle to transfer the books, like, like transfer his written work to, to the movies. And Absolutely. TV. Um, because you get, I feel like whether it's because of studio interference or people that just don't understand the, what's, what's so appealing about his writing. But more often than not, you kind of get, you kind of get, from my perspective, you get filmmakers that are taking, taking the, uh, material and saying like, okay, this is, this is what makes it scary. Oh, there's ghosts in a hotel. Let's, let's just put them. And that's not a good example, but let's, let's, <laughs> let's go ahead and run with that and like make a scary, scary movie of this when it's more like, okay, well, Jack is an alcoholic and he's being seduced by the hotel and it's, it's like he's slowly succumbing to that to where he wants to kill his family. Like mm-hmm. there's a nuance to that, that, uh, there's a nuance to his storytelling that gets so overshadowed. It feels like, right. like I haven't seen the it miniseries in, in a long time. Like I, it, like before recording, I said that I hadn't seen it, but I actually remember I saw a lot of it when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like maybe part of the miniseries, I don't know if that I'm, I'm curious to see if they got the nuance into the characters or not, because I mean, you think of it, you think, oh, Pennywise the Clown. You don't think of, right. oh, the Losers Club is this really yes. interesting set of characters. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, that nuance, I think, I think what you're trying to describe with that, mm-hmm. which I think you described it really well. Nice I think, save. No, you, no, you do. I'm not, <laughs> I'm know, trying, I if know. you want to see that, if you want to mm-hmm. see that nuance, watch Stanley Kubrick's The Shining mm-hmm. and then watch the miniseries with Stephen Bauer. Yeah. Stephen Two, Weber. Stephen Weber. Yeah. Thank you. Um, two completely different interpretations of that mm-hmm. book, both good, mm-hmm. but both good in different ways. I think. Yeah. And, and I think the one with Stephen Weber's a little, the miniseries is a little more true to the book. Yeah. Whereas the movie takes it to a, just a different level. Right. And I think I think they're both good in their own respects. And you know, mm-hmm. Stephen King doesn't care for the the Stanley Kubrick's version. Right. Um, that's his opinion. Um, sure, no, sure. But like it, I, I think you can what you were what you were describing with mm-hmm. the difference, the variance and nuance mm-hmm. between the horror and you know 
nuance yeah. and, and characters other characters and stuff like that. Yeah. You can, you can really tell in those two different adaptations of that same story. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It helps that he wrote, I believe he wrote the script for the miniseries. Okay. I didn't yeah. realize that. I think so. That's I think cool. so. And okay. I, and I like the miniseries. I, and I really like Stephen Weber. Yeah. Him. And again, his performance in the it audiobook is ridiculous. It's That's so great. good. That's so great. Yeah. Um, so kind of the last thing, how do you pitch it to people who saw the movie and are still curious about it or confused about it? Mm-hmm. Um, I would just, I, I would say just forget the movie, mm-hmm. forget everything you saw, mm-hmm. just forget it all. Um, <laughs> seriously, that just, that just makes me think of forget everything you think you know about Midworld. <laughs> okay, done, <laughs> <Yeah>. done. Um, <laughs> That's great. But no, I, I would say I would say if you didn't like the movie, that does not mean you won't like the books. Mm-hmm. If you loved the movie, you can still love the books. Yeah. Like the movie is completely inconsequential mm-hmm. when in regards to your enjoyment of the of the book series, I think. Because yeah. it's just it's just such a such a drastic uh, I would say misinterpretation of the books, right. but a, a drastic interpretation of the books, mm-hmm. drastically different from the books that I, it, it just won't have an effect on that. Yeah. Don't, don't base your potential enjoyment of the book series on your reaction to the movie. Right. I would say that it, it honestly, it's as simple as that. I, yeah. I don't, I don't need to elaborate. Right. You know, from there, I would go into a pitch of why this, the book series is so great. Mm-hmm. Um, I might, uh, devolve into a, uh, essentially reductive, uh, rant about why the movie was so bad. Right. But, um, but which is almost inevitable. <laughs> but, uh, but I, I would ultimately try to steer that person towards, mm-hmm. towards the series because their reaction would be totally different. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, I'd feel the same way. I would just say, hey, um, what elements of the movie did you like? Oh, you know, the gunfights were pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And um, that's about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then just be like, hey, you know, go from there. If you liked the idea of a tower in the middle of everything, kind of keeping away darkness and everything, even though that's a little bit different from how it is in the books, if you like that as a concept – You'll you'll really love the idea of the Dark Tower as a book series. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. So um, I feel like we, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I feel like we could have had a lot more to say about that, but I feel like we've already like we've said our piece about the movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to talk about the movie anymore. Yeah, really, it's yeah. I'll I'll probably put together some kind of episode of us talking about it, Cause I'm not going to subject you to talking yeah. about the movie again. I don't think it deserves that much analysis. I honestly, uh, it'd be like yeah. summer of Sandler. Oh yeah. Which is a series we did for those of you, new oh. listeners who are not familiar with the obsessive viewer. It's a series we did Jeez. where us and our Mike, uh, aforementioned Mike mm-hmm. watched every Adam Sandler movie. Yeah. That was talked about them. That was a struggle. And at oh. the end of it, I said, I don't think these movies deserved that kind of analysis. Right. And that's exactly how I feel about the Dark Tower. <laughs> yeah. I'm done analyzing it. As the movie. As the movie. Yeah. Yes, I'm sorry. The movie. Yes. Um. <laughs> yeah, because I hope you didn't mean like the Dark Tower as a series. Cause <laughs> then... That's how I feel about Akiva Goldsman's the Dark right. Tower. <laughs> yeah. Although I do have an idea. I don't know how... 
I don't know how much time you would be able to devote to this. Okay. But there is a 119 page um, draft of the script for the Dark Tower movie from 2014. Mm. I read about 60 pages of it, and a lot of the elements from the finished movie are there. Like it, uh-huh. it's focused on Jake and stuff like that. But okay. I went into it expecting like, ah, uh, like they didn't change it. They didn't change anything for the final movie and mm-hmm. all that. But like I was reading, I was like, why, why didn't they do this? Like why yeah. did like this actually would have been, this would have been acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, so my idea is like, we could both read it and then sit down and palaver about the, the script and that would be right. our kind of way to talk about the movie without talking about the movie mm-hmm. okay. so yeah okay. I'll, i don't know i'll send it to you i think i think i might be game for that nice yeah. nice yeah i'll send it to you or you can just type in dark tower movie script 2014 okay um matt hurts tears <laughs> um but but it's funny because like in the aftermath of the movie i just thought like akiva goldsman is he's forgotten the face of his father he's mm-hmm. he's dead to me um but reading that, I was like, I mean, I mean, there's stuff in like it's it's much more truer to the books. Okay, like much more. Um, I'm still intrigued. a little different, but much much more in yeah. tune with it. So yeah, we'll have an episode about that. Um, I did <laughs> I did mention this in my review with Feckus, which by the way, Feckus is uh, our friend Robert Feckus. He is hopefully going to be involved in our book discussions. Um, as the idea is that our Kef episodes are going to be us going through the book series part by part, uh, for each book. And Fekus has not read the series. He's only read the, the gunslinger, I think a couple times and he hasn't read anything more. So we're going to have him on with us to discuss it as someone who hasn't read it. So stay tuned for that in the, in, I mean, probably in after a while, but anyway, um, I'll leave you with this cause tiny, I haven't had a chance to tell you this, but, um, I went and talked to one of my former coworkers, um, and I was telling him about the Dark Tower movie and how disappointed I was and everything. And then, like he, he actually said, um, "Well, look at it this way." And granted, this doesn't really translate because the the comparison he's making is for someone that's something that's like an institution and has much more weight than than the Dark Tower and arguably even Stephen King. Well, definitely Stephen King. Hmm. But he said. Um, Look at it this way. We had to suffer through Batman Forever and Batman and Robin before we got Christopher Nolan in the Dark Knight trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, that's funny for, or that, that's really great for a couple reasons. One, that gives me some optimism in this, in this hour of need mm-hmm. that I'm in. <laughs> and two, guess who wrote Batman and Robin? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Akiva fucking Goldsman. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I don't know. We'll we'll see what the future holds, but right. um, yeah. Is there any parting? Th- are there any parting thoughts that you want to want to give off in this first official episode of Tower Junkies? Um, yeah. Other than if you're joining us, listening to this episode in the hopes of being convinced to read, you know, being successfully pitched to read the mm-hmm. series, please read it. And then, yes, like you heard what we said. Please, if you're if you're not if you haven't read it yet, go read it and please mm-hmm. contact us. Like we, we totally yes. encourage interaction, mm-hmm. email us anything. 
hell oh, yeah. start your own podcast or something yes. and we'll we'll come talk on it you know yes absolutely yeah you can do what matt does with an anthology and just mm-hmm. read through it for the first time as a completely new listener awesome. or a completely new reader mm-hmm. and just say your thoughts week to week or right. month to month about what you're reading that's we totally support that idea absolutely um, so yeah please read it and Get involved. Let us know how you would pitch it if you're mm-hmm. if you're a big fan of the series already. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I would say. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um. Yeah. By the way, if you want to contact us, by the way, like us on Facebook at uh, uh, facebook.com/slash Tower Junkies Pod. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Tower Junkies Pod. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Tower Junkies Pod. And, uh, you know, just go to the website, you guessed it, at TowerJunkiesPod.com. <laughs> and uh, you can also email us at uh, Matt at ObsessiveViewer.com or Tiny at ObsessiveViewer.com. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, give us your feedback. We'd be one of the things that I I haven't really expressed this to you, Tiny, but I have a feeling that you're going to feel the exact same way. And I think you kind of mentioned something similar to it at some point um kind of the idea behind this podcast and the idea that i'm i'm running with personally is that tiny and i have known each other for a very long time and we have spent a a lot of that time talking to each other about the dark tower and we know people who like the dark tower. We've like, like I wore, like I, like I have a bunch of dark tower shirts. I I like to wear them and stuff. I've had people like point out to me like, Oh yeah, dark tower and everything. But we want to have conversations with other dark tower fans. Yes. Like I'm really hoping like it's, we've both proclaimed it to be our favorite thing. And I want that to be, to be something that we can share with our listeners. So feel free to give us a, give us a, give us a call. Um, <laughs> no, uh, feel free to email us, tweet us all that, all that good stuff. And, uh, and we would, we would love to talk to you about it. Um, and then in the future on the podcast, um, as I said in the previous episode, we don't really have a, um, set release schedule. We're going to shoot for at least definitely minimum one episode per month on the 19th of each month. You'll see an episode. Um, but I'm sure that we'll have more episodes in between and everything. But coming up on the podcast, I mean, we're going to be doing a lot of different types of episodes. Um, the way that we've had this designed is that we're going to have a bunch of different types of episodes, books related to the Dark Tower, the actual Dark Tower books, uh, non, non-Tower non Stephen King books, movies and adaptations, uh, and any TV or movie adaptation news for the Dark Tower itself. Mm-hmm. We have a bunch of different categories and everything. So, um, so yeah, so coming up, we'll eventually do a 2014 screenplay draft review, and then eventually we'll start our reading of The Gunslinger. But I think sooner rather than later, we will likely do, um, a, a, couple, a few episodes, probably three episodes for it. Um, yeah. Yeah. You could easily do three episodes on yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, just because, well, the idea is that we'll have one episode talking about the book. Um, and then at least like we'll do one episode for the miniseries, um, and then one, one episode for the movie. Yep. Um, yeah. So we'll figure it out. Um, yeah. And so that'll be coming soon. Um, yeah. Anything else? I think that's it. Oh my God. That's awesome. We just recorded our first not obsessive viewer podcast together. (laughs) Yeah. Um, that's not like, well, anthology, but anyway, anyway, (laughs) um, (laughs) 
yeah so so yeah thank you guys for listening and uh long days and pleasant nights and may you have twice the number thanks guys Thank you for listening to Tower Junkies, a Dark Tower podcast presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at TowerJunkiesPod.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else podcasts are found. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can find ways to do that at TowerJunkiesPod.com slash donate, or become a patron for Obsessive Viewer at Patreon.com slash Obsessive Viewer, for recurring donations with different reward tiers. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can contact us by emailing us at matt at obsessiveviewer.com or by tweeting us at towerjunkiespod or at obsessiveviewer and at obsessivetiny. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash towerjunkiespod. For more podcast content from ObsessiveViewer.com, check out Anthology, my solo side project podcast where I'm reviewing The Twilight Zone as a first-time viewer and exploring other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology television shows. You can find Anthology at AnthologyPod.com and anywhere podcasts are found. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts, Chad and Amanda. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the app of your choice. Once again, thank you for listening to Tower Junkies, and we'll see you next time.